Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Soccer Talk Podcast, the only podcast that focuses on watching soccer on TV, online, and apps. Coming up on this week's show, what the ESPN Plus Bundesliga deal means for soccer viewers, NBC takes an enormous leap forward in the soccer wars, how the Bundesliga went after the money instead of what is best for soccer fans, MLS sink to new lows with their TV ratings, plus letters from you, the listeners, in our mailbag section. My name is Christopher Harris, and I am joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnayer. Kartik, we've got a lot to get to in this episode. Um, some big news that was officially announced this week about the Bundesliga uh, and ESPN+. Plus. We'll get in, uh, into that in the news segment. Some interesting takes on that one. But first of all, in terms of what we've been watching this past week, I think both you and I have watched a ton of soccer. The... The one match that stood out for me in terms of um, my favourites, um, I'm, I'm not sure if it was yours, but was, was the uh, Copa Libertadores uh, semi-final first leg. River Plate against uh, Boca Juniors from Stadio Monumental. And uh, this one, to me, it felt like a cup final. It, it was just really physical, uh, fast-paced, uh, direct style of football. It's almost kind of going back to the... the uh, uh, the 80s style in terms of England, but very uh, enticing and very appealing to, to watch. And uh, the atmosphere was incredible. And River Plate was on fire. Uh, they really dominated this match. Uh, what was your take on, on in terms of uh, the match and, and the coverage of it? So, yeah, uh, River Boca, I think, best match of the week. I mean, if, if I have to pick something different, I would pick Paderborn and Bayern, which was on FS1. We'll get to that match in a minute. Back to River Boca. Um Great wraparound coverage from BN. I, I'll admit, I probably am watching less La Liga than I have for many years and am not watching, interacting with BN very much. So them having Copa Libertadores, particularly at River Boca, right? That's enticing, you know, whatever the competition, whatever the time of year, whatever the night of the week. Uh, it hooked me into BN on Tuesday night and uh, watched it, 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 enjoyed it. I actually didn't watch it all Tuesday night. I watched a lot of it um, um, 
on Wednesday night, which also, I will admit, um, I didn't watch a second of, of Champions League this week, was at work, uh, opted to watch championship games live on my um, laptop at work while I was working, and then also had some calls that took me away. And then both nights, when I would have been watching the DVRs of Champions League, uh, I was watching either parts of this match live or parts of this match and the coverage on, on DVR. Um, it, Bien is in Miami. They're based in Miami. So Fernando Fiore, who lives in, in South Florida, uh, bringing him uh, in on the Spanish language side, I, I thought was was interesting. Uh, he also, this gives him a chance maybe to be a, uh, if his reputation has been changed or, or his, his image has been changed by uh, his work at Fox, uh, a, a chance to kind of uh, reconnect with uh, with a core audience that he used to connect with weekly uh, when he, uh, he, he uh, hosted a showdown here. And uh, that was that was interesting. Um, again, ex- uh, showing his expertise on Argentine football and on uh, football in Buenos Aires. I, I just I like the coverage. Uh, BN doing big events, big soccer events, from a pure coverage standpoint. And I, and this is we're going to jump around a little bit on this podcast because about coverage versus accessibility. Because when um, we talk about the Bundesliga, I think I, I want to make make it clear that when I I, I say. Uh, that when I talk about Fox, I'm talking also about accessibility, not just you know, how they cover the matches, because there seems to be um, an obsession with how Fox covers the matches. And I, I fed into that obsession for years. But um, I really like what BN does on these big events. And this, this was great. This is, uh, this is a special uh, derby anyway, uh, but they, they took it to another level on American television, I think, uh, on Tuesday night. And the thing about this, though, too, Kartik, is that uh, if you had to uh, basically kind of pick one commentator or co-commentator to uh, co-commentate the game, uh, Ray Hudson, of all people, I mean, this yes. is somebody who for, I mean, decades has, has been in love with Argentine football and also, I mean, a, a big fan of, um, I mean, the Boca Juniors, uh, River Plate, I mean, all these all these clubs. And, and you could hear the passion and excitement in his voice. And, and I thought Phil Shane did a great job. And then on the other side, too, on the flip side, too, you ha- if you were a Spanish speaker, uh, you had the Bean Sports in Espanol, um, kind of the more frenetic, the more even even more passionate uh, calls to the game. I, I was surprised, though, that Fernando Fiore, um, I had heard zero, not one bit of news about Fernando Fiore being uh, involved in the Spanish language broadcast and, and, and that. So I was taken aback by that. I, th- I thought it was a good... Um, a good move to bring him in. Uh, he's somebody that uh, I believe. I mean, I, I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly believe uh, knows the game is very intelligent. But um, whenever he's been on Fox, he's played played the clown. He's he's been dumbed down, and and he does know this stuff. And when he when he does get more serious, uh, he shows his stuff. Let me ask you a question, Chris, um, about being relative to the general uh, football world. I thought they were fantastic. I thought they were magnificent having Ray uh, as the co-commentator. I, I glossed over that part because it just seems so natural him doing an Argentine, uh, uh, an Argentine match because of his love for Argentine football. Um, but is it difficult now where BN is the place they are in in uh, the general broadcast landscape? Is this something where um, if Copa, if Con uh, uh, Ball had had made an agreement with DNA? Which seems to become be becoming more and more prominent in terms of soccer viewing in this country. Uh, it would have been a huge event. Whereas 
it just kind of took a back page mm-hmm. uh, in terms of American soccer fandom because yeah. it was on BN. Is, is is that a problem going forward? I I think so. I mean, I mean, on uh, Tuesday night and Wednesday night, and, and probably a lot of listeners too that are listening right now to the podcast. I couldn't get a sense for how. Actually, I could get a sense. There was seemed to be very little interest among English language speakers to this game for the most part. Um, most of the people I follow, you know, on social media, didn't seem to be talk, talking about this game. Actually, what they were talking about was the Diego Maradona uh, documentary, which was one of the advertisers. So pre-match, halftime, and post-match. Uh, during the River Plate game uh, against Boca Juniors. And that that uh, broadcast of that documentary, which uh, I will watch, I didn't watch it because I was watching this game, uh, that started at 9 p.m. Eastern time, uh, 30 minutes after this game had kicked off. So I think a lot of the English language people were probably focused on watching that and not this game. And and that's the thing, if it was on To Do NA, um, absolutely would have had much greater impact in terms of reach and, and viewership and I think probably too would have probably done more promotion and advertising. Uh, B in sports did do some advertising on this one more so than they've done on on previous big games. But um, at the end of the day, it, it's uh, accessibility and its distribution. And Tudorene's numbers are much much bigger than what B in sports are. But yeah, so I think in some ways that uh, in in terms of Conmebol. That took the gloss off this game a little bit, just because there's less people speaking about it. Now, the second leg is really kind of where the fire, the fireworks for both this match and the Gremio Flamengo game uh, will, will ignite, and, and I'm sure there'll be a lot more people interested in the second leg. But, um, but yeah, you're right. I think this is. Um, hope, I mean, hopefully, more people will pay attention it, to it, and uh, of course, with being sports, the. The excuse really is is that it's not available. I, I can't get it. And, and the reality is, as we've talked about before, is that if you do want to watch BN Sports, it's more accessible than most of the other um, channels if you want to stream. If you're okay with streaming, then it's more accessible than anything else out there. Now, Kartik, Champions League you did miss... Um, what I will say with the Champions, uh, I did watch. I should. I should okay. mention though. I watched uh, BR lives post match. Uh, I did watch those DVR both days, so oh, I have a sense of what happened. <laughs> well, let, 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 let me start with that then. So on Tuesday, I, I watched uh, BR football post match, and this was probably some of the worst television I've seen in a long, long time. I don't know who had the dumb idea of uh, saying, "Okay, all right." We, post-match we're going to have steve nash in a bar in a spurs bar in california and after that i mean thrashing it, it felt like a like a funeral that you were i mean steve steve nash obviously being a spurs fan was i mean de- dejected was de- definitely down um and the idea why why not broadcast something where you, you go in live to a soccer bar somewhere in south uh, southern california where you have Bayern fans and you have Spurs fans. So it's more 50-50, and then the Bayern fans would be celebrating, the Spurs fans would be, I mean, of course, uh, disappointed with the result. But the other thing, too, about, about this, like, like about one or two seconds before Steve Nash started speaking, the producer in that bar, you could hear him tell him the, the actual Spurs fans, shh, shh, shh. Like, like, be quiet. And so all the Spurs fans were kind of standing right behind him, couldn't utter a single word. It was like watching a silent movie and then Steve Nash just talking about you mean, how, how disappointed and 
dejected he was. And and that rubbed off too on the studio analysis too, because post match with Stu Holden and Kate Abdo, it was as if, as if Spurs had lost, lost a cup final. Well, if you're a Bayern Munich fan and you're watching this broadcast, you're like, hey, shouldn't there be some more excitement about this? How how great Bayern Munich was. Uh, so so to me, Turner. Um, actually, I'll be honest with you, Kartik. I I think I've decided not to watch Turner for the rest of the Champions League. Reason being is I'm watching um, the Whip Around channel on Tudorene yeah. Extra, which is called uh, Zona Football, and this is exactly like um, Multi Match Ninety. And what it does is it goes ahead and, and gives you a, a Spanish-language broadcast of a main feed of, of the Champions League, so whatever the big game is. Maybe it's Inter against Barcelona. Anytime a goal happens or anytime a key incident happens, it, it changes and, and shows you that incident and it, and it comes back to that match or, or goes between all the different matches. And for me in the group stage, this is exactly what I want. I, I love multi-match 90 I've, I, lo- I love the MLS whip around shows that uh, NBC have, have done in the past and ESPN have done in the past. And um, on the English language side, BR Live and TNT does not have this available, but uh, Zona Football on Champions League uh, for... Uh, and, and now the, the, the challenge is trying to find uh, broadcasters that actually have a partnership with Tudorene that make it available. For me personally, with uh, Fubo, I can log in with, with my Fubo credentials and then watch uh, Zona Football from uh, com. Yeah, yeah. So that that's what I was about to say. I My office mates, uh, several of them, uh, people who work in my office this week, uh, logged into Fubo and were stunned on Tuesday that there was this channel and kept it on. So part of the reason I didn't have to watch Champions League and I could watch uh, ESPN Plus coverage of, of the uh, uh, EFL uh, of the championship was because everyone else in my office was watching this this multi-match now or this uh, Zona Football uh and we're giving constant score updates. So, um, and I think that that's now, for at least for people who have Fubo, which is a lot of people I know, uh, going to be the default channel for Champions League, not Turner uh, anymore, not yeah. TNT anymore. So, um, and and no, and as far as yeah, people subscribing to BR Live, forget it. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> they have access to the games anyway, right? Maybe some people are bothered by Spanish language commentary. I know there are. Yeah. When I've told people, hey, just watch Univision, when someone texted me yesterday complaining that the Chelsea game wasn't on Turner uh, and, uh, uh, and that they had signed up for VR Live, but there were some snafus, I said, just just watch it on Univision. Just watch it in, in the Univision app. And they're like, oh, it'll be in Spanish. Ooh. I'll just mute the television then. I I, yeah. I don't know. Mute mute your computer. The guy was at work, so mute, mute your computer. I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you do not have to be if you feel like you're being held hostage by Turner and BR Live. You don't have to be in that position. Yeah. Um, I, and I and I can see some people wanting to have the English language broadcast and and then saying, okay, I'd rather stick with BR Live and, and then hear the commentary or I mean the Gary Birdles or whoever's doing the, the co-commentary and get their analysis. And I and I can see that especially for those who uh, don't uh, speak or understand Spanish. But, but but the two things about Zona Football, which are amazing, are one is in the background, anytime a goal is scored, there's a chime. So it's kind of like a, you mean, dee-dee-dee-dee-dee, or whatever, whatever sound it is, like a bell sound. So if you have it on in the background, and maybe you're at work, or maybe you're watching another game, and you hear that, that chime, you know to turn your attention back to the Zona Football, and you'll see that goal within the next few seconds. The other thing, too, about this, too, is that halftime, actually pre-match, uh, halftime and post-match, 
there are zero commercials. There's no commercials at all. So halftime for the Champions League, um, you're getting recaps and all the goals from all the different games and all the highlights. So maybe you missed something or maybe I mean, you went to the bathroom or something like that and you come back at halftime. You can catch up on everything you've missed. I love it. I think it's really fantastic. And um, I mean, it's de- definitely something that's... Uh, I mean, I, I mean, for me, it's it's great too because even the Valencia Ajax game, or even the, the Liverpool Salzburg game, that is that there is a game three 0 ahead. I would have switched the channel. I would have gone on to something else and watched watched some, uh, one of the other games. But with the zone of football, the Salzburg uh, comeback. I mean, I was able to see that it basically live, like goals flying in. The Valencia Ajax game, the first goal from Ajax, absolutely incredible goal. I was able to see that. I was able to see things that normally I wouldn't see because I would have been fixated on on one channel watching that game and trying to enjoy it but thinking like ah i'm missing out so we'll have more details in the coming days about uh, to do any extra and zona football and how you can get it and and, and uh, what the links are and things like that but uh, yeah i was really really impressed and and um and again with the tnt analysis and, and coverage that i saw it's become very boring. It's become very predictable. Um, it's the same talking heads, just talking, talking, talking. I mean, it'd be great to have, I don't know, Jürgen Klinsmann or, or somebody, you mean, some star power to come in onto the set to give some more. Klinsmann actually would have been perfect for uh, Bayern versus oh my gosh. Uh, Spurs. Spurs. I mean, yeah, no, that's actually a good shout. Because, <laughs> Better than um, Steve Nash in, in, in the funeral there. Even in, right. In, and, and, and then I don't, I mean, I know a lot of people get angry about this. Uh, but, and uh, maybe uh, I don't think you'll disagree with me, Chris, but a lot of our listeners will because they're very Premier League centric. I, I think Turner now has gone in, in a direction where they're also very Premier League centric, even though they don't cover that league. Right. Yeah. So uh, you mentioned the lack of analysis of Bayern in the post game, which I noticed. I mean, they did talk about Thiago's over the top looping ball to Nabry and the beauty of that. But beyond that, it was all about Spurs. Uh, I think that's that's in general. I mean, even yesterday with Jesse Marsh, an American coach, uh, who I, anyone who follows me on Twitter knows that I said for the U.S. national team job, there should mm-hmm. be one candidate. This was a year and a half ago, and that and it was him, right? Yeah. And I, I feel really vindicated by how well he's doing in Europe. Um, and uh, in that, not that I'm not supporting Burhalter now that he's the choice, but I, I'm I'm a, I'm a huge Jesse Marsh, a huge believer in him, uh, not just a fan, but a believer in him. Um, that was that was the back seat to talking about Liverpool, which I get. But again, I think they've gone very Premier League focused. Maybe it's also because they're using London-based commentators, um, the international feed, and they're very Premier League focused. But I think that that's, that's bled into their coverage now, where um, the focus is – and again, the first year they had – European football, all four finalists in, in both competitions were from England, but uh, I, I think it's bled into their, their pregame and postgame shows, quite honestly. Mm-hmm. It's a very anglicized uh, broadcast, which might be smart in terms of who's actually going to watch the English language feed, uh, English language coverage of the, of the Champions League, but it's also, I think, a disservice to the tournament as a whole. Yeah, yeah, especially when it's the Bundesliga and you've got teams like Bayern Munich that, that did really well, I mean, and you have a lot of German teams in the competition, and you've got Stu Holden who covers the Bundesliga from time to time for Fox Sports. So he's got a lot of knowledge of, of that uh, league too. Um, and, and, and what you said, Kartik, is perfectly correct, is that uh, probably 
TNT is looking at this going, okay, right, well, we've got the Spanish language audience that they all gravitate to uh, Univision and to do NA. And we've got the English language broadcast uh, side of things. And I mean, I mean, the, the greatest number of viewers that are watching um, soccer are gravitating towards the Premier League. So let's fo- have that be a focal point. And, and yeah, there's, there's nothing wrong with that to a certain extent. But um, there's so many other great talking points to c- cover and dive into. Um, they're missing out on that. So so in terms of this past week, Kartik, uh, saw a ton of soccer Everything. I mean, actually, the, the, the Man United Rochdale game last week in the League Cup was fantastic. I really enjoyed that one. Watched a bunch of Serie A. Uh, can, can I make uh, one quick yeah, point sure. about Stu Holden? Yeah. I think uh, also Stu Holden is exceedingly knowledgeable. He's kind of geeks out on, I think, football in general. Yeah. You know, maybe people don't like his style and they associate him with Fox and the U.S. national team, so they think he's an MLS uh, a fanboy, which, I mean, I'm not going to get into that discussion, but he is really knowledgeable, more knowledgeable than the vast majority of people on American television, English or Spanish side about uh, the game in Europe. I don't know why Turner is not pushing his buttons better in terms of allowing him to talk about some of that stuff, but that's, that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah. Right? We'll get, I'm sure we're going to keep having the TNT discussion during um, these match days. Oh, maybe not. Who knows? <laughs> if we're all watching to do any and zone of football, but yeah, but yeah, sure. but yeah. No, sorry, go ahead. It's okay. No worries. Yeah. So yeah, in terms of this past week, watched a ton of soccer, La Liga, Serie A, uh, championship, uh, League Cup, uh, so on and so forth. A lot of, lot of really. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I love watching soccer anyway, so uh, no problems there. Um, one last thing before before we head on to TV streaming news, Kartik. Any anything else that stood out that you wanted to uh, to mention? Yeah, just the Paderborn Bayern game, uh, which I, was my favorite match of the week. Other than Copa Libertadores, uh, it was on FS1. Uh, we'll get more into the FS1 issue in the next segment in terms of the Bundesliga. Uh, Ian Joy has an expertise on American players, uh, and particularly on this young man, Kiri Shelton, who made his Bundesliga debut coming on late for Paderborn. Great atmosphere, you know, small ground, community club. I mean, atmospheres in Germany are just top-notch, as I think everybody knows. But this had a really special feel. Paderborn gets a lifeline, gets back into the match. Shelton comes on. Uh, Ian Joyne's able to talk about that very uh, with, with a lot great deal of education because he, uh, he, he, he commentates for New York City FC also where Shelton previously played. And uh, it was just, a, I thought, a, a really exciting and entertaining match. Uh, Bayern, maybe with an eye toward uh, uh, Tuesday in the Champions League, uh, took their foot a bit off the gas, and Paderborn almost got a point, a newly promoted team, a team that's likely to go back down. Uh, Bayern, of course, you know, <laughs> midweek certainly showed that you know if they had their foot off the gas on Saturday there was a good reason for that and they were full throttle ahead when they went to uh, went to Spurs but a uh, great broadcast I, I want to just mention Kiri Shelton's a player that uh, was developed in large part by uh, a, a man I work with Paul Daglish uh, the son of Kenny Daglish the brother of Kelly Cates um, at the youth level here in the States so it was really nice to see him make his full debut or not, or not full debut he came off the bench but his debut in a top European league that's cer- certainly something uh, I know uh, Coach Daglish is very proud of and, and, and everyone who's worked with the guy Alright so let's move on to TV streaming news and Kartik uh, we got official confirmation on Monday of the deal between the Bundesliga and ESPN Plus which will begin with the 2020-21 season beginning in August 2020. This will be the fi- final season of Fox Sports' coverage of the Bundesliga. Uh, they've had it for five years but uh, 
let me hand it over to you and to read a quote, uh, which will be kind of interesting in terms of uh, uh, the Bundesliga, the Bundesliga's take on this uh, announcement. Yeah, this is interesting from Robert Klein, the chief executive of the Bundesliga of Bundesliga International. Uh, you and I both got this press release in the wee hours Monday morning. So this is what we started our week with. Quote from Klein, we have roughly the same number of games on the big network as we did under the Fox contract. But more importantly, we know the audience levels that we want to achieve and we have thought carefully about how we go about that. There is a live game, a top global league product, but then when you are going to do outside of what are you going to do outside of that we want to be there 24 7 we want to bring the the news stories we want to bring the relevant stories we're going to try a number of different things every year some will work some won't but we are confident that the u.s fans are going to have a connection and access to a league like they've never had before we need someone like espn who really gets that unquote um my understanding chris is and i think you you might be talking some of the same sources i am this is a lot about bumper programming ancillary programming highlight shows magazine programming and the fact that uh, it would those things would be buried on FS2, be shown middle of the week. If it's on ESPN Plus and it's there all the time, um, there's potentially more access to that. Um, that having been said, maybe we'll get into this. Maybe I'll turn it over to you. But I, there were a number of accessibility issues that Fox gave the Bundesliga that ESPN probably won't. Yeah, and that's the part that I was going to chime in on, Kartik, is that uh, to de- deconstruct this quote, I mean, the kind of the, the pull quote out of this is, US fans are going to have a connection and access to a league like they've never had before. The reality is, is that's not true. I mean, the reality is, is that uh, whether you loved uh, Fox's coverage of the Bundesliga or thought it was, um, you mean, poor, whatever it may be, is that Fox gave the Bundesliga more access to soccer uh, to the Bundesliga soccer than ESPN will. There's there's no no doubt of that. I mean, especially when you have uh, almost every single game for the Bundesliga on ESPN Plus, which is a streaming platform. Which is yes, it's only five dollars a month, but that definitely um, that's not every audience. And like for example, just a couple of days ago, I um, was speaking to somebody at a retail store. And uh, we were talking about soccer. He wasn't. The, he's not a big soccer fan, but he watches the Premier League. And he said that uh, he's been following Sheffield United this season because that's kind of a, his underdog. But he's, he's a Chelsea fan. And and he said about the, the Bundesliga. He said, "Yeah, I was flipping through, and I was watching. I think on Monday night, like a replay of the Paderborn against Bayern Munich game. And he was saying about how great great the game was." And I said to him, "I said, well, next season that's not going to happen." He's like, "Why?" I said, "Well, those games will be on ESPN Plus." He's like, ah, ESPN Plus, I, I, I don't stream. I, I, have, I watch everything on television. I watch FS1, I watch FS2, I watch NBCSN, et cetera, et cetera. He says, I, I'm not the type of person that's going to go ahead and sign up for a streaming service. And, and that's the reality of the situation is that for those soccer fans or sports fans who do have ESPN Plus, this is fantastic news. This is another benefit and, and value add to what is already a very cost-effective subscription service i mean really really cost effective but the reality is is outside of that mainstream america for the most part does not subscribe to espn plus even though espn plus says we have two million subscribers okay out of those two million subscribers how many of them are are watching Serie R week in week out and it might be 10,000 20,000 30,000 it's it's a small number Nowhere is it anywhere near the 2 million number. So when 
the Bundesliga spins this and says U.S. fans are going to have a connection and access to a league like they've never had before. That's not true. I mean, the, the connection, yes. The connection now in terms of what ESPN does um, and also opportunities to talk, talk about the Bundesliga on SportsCenter or the opportunities for the for ESPN to talk about the Bundesliga on ESPN FC or, or even some connections in terms of... Um, Disney Plus. I mean, when Disney Plus launches in November, maybe have a promo there to talk about, you mean, the Bundesliga and ESPN Plus. Be sure to sign up for the, the service so you can watch uh, almost every game through the ESPN Plus service. And then at the end of the day, too, I mean, you look at Fox and what they've done in terms of broadcasting the Bundesliga. And while I've not been a big fan of it by any means, they did have a number of games on Big Fox, on the Big Fox network. And this, that channel is in more homes than ESPN and ESPN2. Um, yes, there's a potential possibility that ESPN could put a Bundesliga game on ABC, which would then be on, on the level of, of a Fox, a Big Fox network. But that's unlikely. I mean, and then the reality is under this contract that the ESPN has signed with the Bundesliga, the guarantee is for four games a season to be on on television, which is worse than a Serie A deal. At least with a Serie A deal, uh, almost weekly, uh, Serie A has, has a game on television. So whether it's uh, ESPN2, sometimes usually ESPN News, sometimes even ESPNU, but at least it's on television and at least it's more accessible to you know, mainstream sports fans. So so it's a big announcement. It's a, it's a big deal, but... Um, I don't know. I think this is this is not not a win win for the Bundesliga. This is a win win for ESPN Plus subscribers. But Bacartic, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I I, I completely agree. Now, okay, I want to first off uh, mention we are we are not talking about the way Fox covers the match matches. We have we have hammered them for five seasons or however long we've been doing the show. Uh, this version of the show, obviously, we've been doing this show for over a decade. But the the, the media version uh, since we started, we've been hammering the way. Fox covers the Bundesliga. But the fact remains, they do show air games on linear television. They are more games in a weekend on linear television in a single match day than ESPN apparently is going to is going to uh, air the entire season. Yeah, just get your head around that for a minute. Um, this season, Fox has begun to air games on FS1 um, on Saturday mornings. Previously, they had college football programming on. They bumped that to Big Fox. They, they created a, a spot on a network with greater distribution for the Bundesliga uh, this season, which made me think, yeah, maybe they're making a play to keep it. Um, it surprised me because as they're losing the contract, they do that. But uh, that Paderborn uh, Bayern game match we talked about was on FS1. Last season, same exact match day, that sort of matchup would have been on FS2. So there has been incremental improvements. There's been incremental improvements in the studio programming. Yes, I get uh, the idea of tying into the ESPN um, ESPN brand and production and their the the the, 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 the just uh, gargantuan nature of ESPN. But um, I would have to say that ESPN FC program already covers the Bundesliga. If you wanted some honest coverage about Christian Pulisic's season last season at, at, at Borussia Dortmund before he went to Chelsea and has to this point at Chelsea flopped badly you could have gotten that analysis on ESPN FC because they were covering Dortmund, Borussia Dortmund last season showing highlights 
and saying Christian Pulisic came on in the 90th minute. He's not very effective. Why is Chelsea buying this player for this amount of money? So they've always covered the Bundesliga. Will there be more of a commitment to cover it now because they have the rights? Maybe, but they cover they cover it. They cover the way ESPN FC the show is structured now. They cover the Premier League as their primary focus, but then the other four European leagues. Well, maybe not uh, Liga, but the other three uh, Bundesliga, Serie A, and La Liga are generally covered at the same scope, even though they do not have rights to the Bundesliga and La Liga currently. So I don't know if them having the rights is going to change that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm excited by the fact that. Um, ESPN's brand is connected to the Bundesliga because for those who don't know, I'm a massive Bundesliga fan and it's not just because I like the style of football or quality of football in Germany. It's because my my views as a football fan, a community-oriented, uh, club-oriented football fan is that the Bundesliga uh, and German football in general is football as it was meant to be, football as it should be uh, because of the community ownership structure and, commu- and membership structure of uh, the vast majority of clubs in the German football pyramid. So mm-hmm. it's my favorite league in that, in that sense. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm, I, we'll, we'll have to see, Chris. I guess I'm, I, I'm giving uh, a lot of negativity today about this move, but maybe tying to the ESPN brand makes the Bundesliga, maybe not the games themselves, but all of the, the surrounding things, like what I just said, the understanding of, of community clubs and, and member-based clubs. Uh, this is why the Bundesliga is fundamentally different than the Premier League or the La Liga or Serie A. Um, maybe that's why the league isn't as competitive at the top, uh, you could argue. But I, you know, these sorts of stories that, that need to be told in the American media that could compel soccer fans to become Bundesliga fans, maybe ESPN's a better storyteller and they have better mechanisms to tell that story. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I am not sure we're going we're gonna to see as much of these teams, and, and Borussia Dortmund has developed a following in this country the last few years. Bayern Munich has always had a following in this country. I, I think this might be, once again, like like putting yourself on goal TV to a certain extent. I, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, it's one of those things that uh, this deal will take the Bundesliga off television. I mean, it w- will not make it accessible to the mainstream. Uh, and yes, you will have four games a-, a season that will be on television. But but that's it. I mean, that's it's a long season, and those four games will seem insignificant. Um, at the end of the day, though, Kartik, this deal, this deal to me is not about the Bundesliga thinking about okay making the league more accessible to soccer fans. This deal is strictly financial. And in the deal that Fox had with the Bundesliga, they were paying approximately between $7.5 million and $10 million a year for the rights to broadcast the Bundesliga in the United States through television and streaming. With uh, the ESPN deal, it's $30 million a year. So it's three to four times as much money. And at the end of the day, I mean, whether you're the Bundesliga or whether you're you mean the championship or whether you're a Divisie or Serie A or, or potentially maybe the UEFA Champions League or potentially maybe the Europa League. If somebody comes to you and offers three to four times the amount of money that you were getting before, you, you're going to probably take it. But at the end of the day, too, it, it hurts the distribution. It hurts the accessibility. But for ESPN... I mean, ESPN's paying a, a, a ton of money uh, to, for the Bundesliga rights. And coupled with Serie A and everything else, they're making this the destination for soccer fans. And it's going to get bigger and bigger. And, and, and they're actually, in, in the press this week, they've mentioned their interest in, in bidding on the UEFA uh, Champions League, which will be coming up in the next year. So 
there's a potential here that they could gobble up everything. The only one that they've missed out on in terms of the rights is um, La Liga within the past uh, one to two years. And the only reason that they missed out on La Liga is because being sports, um, like La Liga did not open this up for bidding. La Liga did a deal, a global deal with being sports, and that ensured that the being sports would have the global rights to La Liga um, uh, for, for the Spanish league. So at the end of the day, I think it's the Bundesliga making this play because of the financial impact, um, which they're a business at the end of the day. But that does not help soccer fans at all. This also, I think, means in a year, uh, it'll be a year because we're uh, uh, two years out now from the uh, uh, from the contract being uh, up when the tender is extended by the Premier League uh, for American broadcasters. I think there's a, a, a increasing likelihood that NBC just keeps it and maybe they get another six-year deal instead of a three-year deal because I think the Premier League will look at this and the exposure that they would get uh, – if they if they were to go to ESPN and uh, um, it, it's a non-starter for them now Fox if they wanted to shell out the money I guess they could compete for it because now they have the open time slots but uh, still it's this this also makes it more likely the Premier League stays with NBC which I think was probably likely anyway mm-hmm. but uh, they're out of bandwidth really to show any more soccer yeah. uh, ESPN given all of their contractual commitments to um, other sports and to college sports in particular, but then also to major league baseball and, um, and the NBA. I mean, it, they've just, they've just run out of bandwidth and you can throw so much inventory on ESPN plus, but um, I don't think that's necessarily attractive uh, if you're looking at uh, exposure. Uh, now and, and and accessibility. If you're looking just purely at a bottom line driven situation, uh, that's different. I, I also have to say that ESPN, because they're spending so much money once again on on rights, something I didn't think they'd be able to do, given some of their difficulties in recent years, laying off staff, um, cutting back on certain productions, and also. Um, being tied into these these ten and twelve year deals with college uh, around college sports, launching the ACC network, which they've just done, uh, which is a whole other uh, uh, conversation for another time. Um, I didn't think they would have this sort of money free to be throwing money at the FA Cup, at IMG for the FA Cup in Serie A, at the Bundesliga, yeah. uh, but they have, uh, which. Uh, is another element of, of the broadcast industry we're going to have to look at. And, and, and again, you know, you have a situation where, uh, uh, where DAZN, a uh, lot of fanfare, and I think they're doing okay with MMA and Bellator and things like that, but they, uh, um, they've been shut out again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and ESPN plus and, and all the money that they're spending on the, on those rights, which are huge amounts of money. And, uh, probably much greater than what the the market can bear in terms of, I mean, they're just blowing the competition out of the water in terms of how much they're offering in the, this, this bidding. It's, it's all because of Disney. It's all because of the long-term focus. I mean, the Disney money, but also the long-term focus on making ESPN Plus, I mean, kind of the, uh, the ultimate sports streaming service, which even at this point, it's pretty close to being it. But imagine adding the Champions League to it, then it's a no-brainer for a lot of people. Which would help the Bundesliga, but then there's still going to be a large portion of the United States in terms of the audience that are not going to subscribe to a service like that until maybe the NFL or some other big sport, traditional American sport was on there. But that's not going to happen anytime soon either. But the biggest winner car ticket in all of this news about the Bundesliga and ESPN Plus and all the changes is NBC, NBC and the Premier League, because 
look at August 2020. The new season starts. Uh, Liverpool have been crowned champions. Haha. <laughs> but, but anyway, but look at August 2020. On a typical weekend, the Premier League is going to have, and NBC is going to have no competition. On those times, those kickoff times, when you used to have, you mean a 7:30 kickoff or, or a 10 o'clock kickoff or 12:30 kickoff. The only really major competition that, that uh, NBC would have had would have been the Bundesliga. And especially if a game was you know, a 1230 game and it was on over the air Fox at the same time that a big game was on uh, over the air NBC, that would be competition. But beginning August 2020, moving forward, NBC and the Premier League, the only competition it's going to have as far as club soccer uh, at the same time as them is La Liga which is on being sports, which still in terms of distribution is nowhere near the level of NBCSN and, and, and that in terms of number of subscribers. So, th- so that's the big winner in this is that the, if you thought the Premier League was big before, this is going to take it to a, a different level because there's no competition out there. People will tune in and watch more Premier League than they've done before. Now, can I take this one more uh, news item before we move on to TV ratings? And that is that uh, about a week ago, uh, last Thursday, I believe it was, that uh, Fox has removed FS1 and FS2 from Dish and Sling TV due to a carriage dispute. Uh, it's not good news for Major League Soccer or the Bundesliga. Um, and as we're recording this, um, there's been no resolution yet. So if you do subscribe to Sling Blue uh, or you have Dish, you're not able to get your FS1 and FS2, um, and hopefully that will be fixed soon. But uh, in the meantime, I'm sure Fox and Dish and Sling will be in discussions trying to figure out if there's a way to, to reach a compromise. Um, but that is not good news um, by any means. Now, moving on to TV ratings, Kartik, I'll have you lead off with with the big news of the week. Yeah, um, the Super Classico, the America Chivas match, uh, drew 2 million total viewers on Saturday. Uh, it was an uh, America home match at Chivas. Uh, uh, is, uh, Chivas is not on, their home matches are not on as of now uh, on U.S. television. That might change in the very near future, I understand. But um, this is the most uh, watched soccer match of the year, uh, club soccer match of the year, non-women's World Cup or, or, or uh, Copa America match of the year on any network, regardless of language. Uh, Monday's Arsenal-Man United game was the most watched weekday Premier League game since the uh, Manchester Derby, which was a Wednesday match uh, in April. Uh, Man United-Arsenal had a uh, total audience delivery of 416,000 viewers across NBCSN uh, for digital uh, and, and digital for that game during a game that during office hours. That means it's beaten every Champions League broadcast, um, weekday Champions League broadcast this year as well, or, or since uh, April, which is uh, uh, significant. Now, again, those two teams aren't what they were, and, and I think that um, people watch that match. just thought it was a bad match of football, but a lot of people watch it. Yeah. I, I, actually, it was, it's funny, though, Kartik, because um, there was so much outcry, especially on Twitter, about that first half of that match. And I, and I agree, the first half of that match was poor. You mean the skill level, I mean technical skill was was awful. The second half, though, I thought was was much much better. And actually, that that I, I was fine with the second half. But I think most of the comments, most of kind of the outcry was from the first half. And then people started retweeting that and kind of uh, I mean making their own tweets that uh, were uh, in agreement with that first half. But overall, I thought it wasn't wasn't as bad as people made it out to be. 
No, I would agree with that. I actually think we saw in the second half some signs that maybe Marcus Rashford, even though he didn't score a goal, uh, can be a number nine. So uh, that's not yeah. – I mean, this is a piece of football analysis, not broadcast analysis, but maybe uh, that's something Manchester United fans can hang their hat on because uh, it's been awful thus far, and selling Lukaku without buying a replacement is was a horrible mistake. But, right. yeah, so, uh, still, there was enough interest in that match to sustain a, a pretty high number. Yeah, yeah, and I was impressed by Arsenal's uh, spirit in the second half, and uh, I was positively impressed by what what they did. So I, th- I think uh, hopefully they'll they'll go on and go far from there. Now, in terms of the bottom end of the scale in the TV ratings, oh gosh, okay. So um, so actually, we know that the the problems that Bein Sports has, which is that they're not on Comcast, they're not on Direct TV, they're not on the the two biggest TV um, distributors in the United States. Um, so they had the the Madrid derby, Atleti against Real Madrid this past Saturday, and uh, we only have the numbers on the English language side, and usually the Spanish language side is two to three times as many viewers. Uh, the English language side was eighty six thousand viewers, which is uh, not that great either. We've had I think that last week's was Granada against Barcelona, and I, think, I believe that was oh, at least well over a hundred thousand people watched that game on the English language side. Um, but then the other ones, in Kartik, I can't get my head around this in terms of um, here we are. It's the penultimate weekend of Major League Soccer this past Sunday. And we've talked about this all season long in terms of FS1 having an issue, especially with Sunday night broadcasts or Sunday night afternoon broadcasts. Any, any time, it just for whatever reason, even when NFL and college football, even when the NFL's not on, the numbers have been uh, disappointing. And this past Sunday, we had uh, Minnesota against LAFC, which I watched. I watched some of that game. Uh, it was good. And that was on FS1. That one had 84,000 viewers tuning into that one. And then we had the New York Red Bulls against DC United. Uh, more on the line in this game in terms of uh, being even more important in terms of uh, trying to get the seeding and um, as high a seed as possible for these two, t- two teams. And this one, New York Red Bulls against DC United on FS1, uh, from 5.30 to 7.30 Eastern Time, 79,000 viewers for this one. What's your, what's your take on this, Kartik? Is this, a, is this simply a NFL uh, issue? Is this a FS1 issue? Is this a Major League Soccer issue? What, what, what would you be your perspective? There are, no, there are not many MLS fans, outside fans of clubs that go to get matches. We've determined that based on television ratings for a number of years. The simultaneous kickoffs to final match dates, which I agree with from a from a competitive standpoint, and I, I applaud MLS for doing this because this was something I couldn't get done at the NASL, even though we, we, we marketed ourselves as being more connected to the real spirit of the sport than MLS was. Uh, they, they've done this. Uh, it's uh, a tradition throughout the, the world. Uh final match days of season so that um, uh, just think about the fixing of results and things like that. Uh, So I applaud MLS for doing this, but I think it means the people who would watch a national broadcast are largely watching either a local broadcast of their, their favorite uh, team playing away from home or they're at a match. So um, that, that just kills the rating. And I don't think NFL has, uh, (laughs) we got a lot of uh, blowback on the article I wrote last week about uh, uh, the NFL and, 
I am not saying that is not a factor, that American sports casual fans, and that is not a factor. Some people misunderstood it. I am saying that there were multiple factors, and one of the biggest factors is um, core football fans being burnt out uh, during the day. Mm -hmm. So that is one factor here, again. But then another factor is the people who actually do watch MLS broadcasts, the bigger factor than NFL or burnout in these two particular numbers – in addition to it being on FS1, which is getting lower ratings in general than um, than ESPN, is the simultaneous kickoffs. Um, yeah, I, and- I, I would add I would add to that though, Kartik, another factor, which is that um, most Major League Soccer fans or fans of a Major League Soccer club will watch their club, but have no interest in all the other games in that league. So if you yeah. have a I mean Portland Timbers fan who goes I mean either goes to or watches Portland Timbers games he or she may have very little interest in watching, you know, I don't know, New York Red Bulls or LAFC or even whatever, all the other teams that put, as opposed to say the Bundesliga or the Premier League or Liga Max, where those hardcore fans will try to consume as much of those leagues as possible. will look at the competition. will look at the opponents in, in those other games and, and will have a better understanding or appreciation for how that league operates and which teams are doing well and, and you mean which ones aren't? Uh, in addition to the, the team that he or she supports, and, and I think that's a big factor in numbers. Because if you only are interested in the club that you support, yeah, home games are fine. You you may go to your home game if you're a Timbers fan, as an example. And for those away games, you you might watch the Timbers play on television away against whoever it is on television. But if you have no interest in any of the, the other teams in the rest of the league. You mean, and you multiply that by every single major league soccer team. That's bad news, and and it's a different audience. We've talked about this a couple of weeks, a couple of podcasts ago. The audience for soccer fans, hardcore fans, are different than um, I guess. The, the, there are hardcore MLS fans, but it's a much much smaller percentage. And I think if you're a fan of in the Bundesliga, Serie A, whatever it may be, if you're a fan of an overseas league, you're probably going to be more of a hardcore fan because you've been more committed, <laughs> having to jump through so many hoops just to watch your, your team or your league in previous decades that you're more committed. Just my take on that. All right, Kartik, let's move on to the listener mailbag. Uh, first one up is Coolio Two Foots. And uh, Coolio Two Foots says, in regards to the, sport, the score box being shown, and this is for the Bundesliga or the Premier League, am I the only person who doesn't like it? I don't like that I'm watching a match and they spoil the score of another match, which I plan to watch later. If I want to know the score of another match, I will look it up. In regards to watching Liverpool and Man City, I I don't know about anyone else, but for me, I find it a joy watching these teams play. I enjoy it because they are playing beautiful football. It's a model of how good a team can be if everyone is on the same page and organised. And, and, and two points here. I mean, the, the first point in terms of uh, the score bug, I think we're past that. It's one of those things that um, I understand what you're coming from. But uh, say five years ago, people were freaking out. Any t- any tickers and any anything that had scores of other games, our viewing habits have changed. Our viewing habits, say from five years and previously, would have been that we would have watched one game live, taped all the other games on on DVR or VCR, and then have gone back to watch those uh, as if they were live, uh, hoping that we didn't know the scores. I mean, hoping that we wouldn't find out what the score was. was. Um, That's changed. Now we're in very much a very minute-by-minute 
lifestyle viewing habits and it's very difficult to avoid scores of other games um, even if we try to as best as we can and then the thing about Liverpool Man City I, I appreciate in terms of the playing styles and, and just the, the level that they're at um, it's just more so week in week out uh, getting a bit bored by just you mean winning every single game and, and yes it you mean it's great to see that happen in terms of the playing level but it, it becomes for the neutral it becomes, at least for me, a little bit predictable. Craig Shapiro says, uh, NBCSN has rarely stepped wrong in their coverage of EPL, so they've got a lot of rope with me. Still, they're obsessing about Pulisic was nauseating in the early days of the season. The attraction of EPL is and always will be about its clubs, not a cult of personality. In Kartik, we've got some good news too. This weekend, uh, this Sunday morning, is the first time that um, NBCSN has been given an opportunity to broadcast a Chelsea game, but has decided not to. So they're having Chelsea's game is, uh, I think, against, oh, actually, I can't remember who it's against, but it's going to be on NBC Sports Gold on Sunday morning. And then instead, they will be showing on NBCSN Manchester City against Wolves. So I think NBCSN has got the message. And um, you mean I think I think it's it's time to move on and and if Pulisic you mean makes his way back into the squad and into the team and and starts playing well um, maybe there's an opportunity down the road um, to to you mean for people to catch him in those games but uh, uh, it's been a long journey and it, it, it we're what, what seven games into the season this is going to be a, a long season thankfully NBCSN is is responding to people and I think picking up uh, you mean the best game to put on in that time time slot. But is that the best game? I mean, Manchester City game matches generally aren't well, competitive. That's, that's Wolves, the, though. the question. And I mean, Chelsea, there were compelling storylines of all the young players. Now, of course, they haven't played up the, 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 the Mason Mounts and Tammy Abrahams and, and Tamori's and now Reese James making a start in the Champions League. They haven't played that up at all on NBC. It's been about Pulisic. So maybe they're missing uh, the actual storyline with what Frank Lampard's doing at Chelsea. Um but we'll see. Maybe they'll shift uh, even in how they cover Chelsea now, well, realizing you have three or four academy guys, uh, academy products who've been loaned out to the to the championship, have improved their their play, uh, starting for a top four aspirant in the Premier League week in and week out. I think that's that's a huge story for English football uh, that NBC has NBC and a lot of people on Twitter uh, have uh, missed because they're, they've become obsessed with Pulisic. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree with you there, but I would say that in terms of uh, Sunday morning's lineup, Man City against Wolves. I mean, Wolves to me is, uh, I mean, a, a, still a well-organized team, and and that's a team that I have a lot of time and patience for. I love to watch them play, and they could give Man City a, a bit of uh, a run for their money. But the uh, the Chelsea game is actually it's against Southampton. Oh yeah. That, so maybe that, that, maybe it's more about Southampton than it is about yeah, Chelsea yeah, and the yeah. decision not to show it on television. But then the Arsenal against Bournemouth game, which happens at the same exact time at nine o'clock Eastern on Sunday, that one is on CNBC. So um, they could have put Southampton against Chelsea at, at that one, but they didn't. Hopefully, hopefully from NBC's perspective, hopefully it's like, hey, all right, we, we've we've kind of basically tried to. You mean, run this thing into into the ground and it's not working and you know I mean he's not playing it's it's kind of a strange uh, situation something that's very interesting uh sorry digressing here is the number of Sunday matches, NBC is moving to CNBC versus Saturday matches. Traditionally, it was sun- Saturday 3 p.m. kickoffs or 10 a.m. kickoffs on the East, East Coast uh, that they that they were putting a second game uh, that 
from the SN game to yep. CNBC. Now we're seeing European weeks where Europa League teams, uh, particularly Arsenal uh, and, and uh, Manchester United, are bumped to uh, and Wolves also bumped to uh, Sundays. That those are the matches that they're putting on CNBC. So that's mm-hmm. an interesting tactical shift from NBC. I actually quite like it because. Uh, uh, Sundays have been tough in the past European weeks because the better games in the league tend to be tend to all fall to Sundays because of that. Um, I think because of the European calendar. I, I think it's two things though. Is one is is TV ratings. So they're looking at the Saturday, Saturday 10 a.m. Eastern game and saying, okay, if we have just one of those games on television, that won't split the audience. That will have most of the audience gravitate to that one match. Um, which will help our viewing figures for, for, for every weekend and, and for the whole entire year. But then the second thing, too, is also trying to push more people to um, subscribe to NBC Sports Gold and um, you mean basically have them kind of a carrot at the end of the stick and, and then wave, wave that a few times and hope that they sign up for that. But um, moving on, Kartik, uh, next up is John Average Geek. He has uh, two comments, and he says, in regards to Major League Soccer and the Sunday broadcast, uh, John Average Geek says, just kick off the game. The pregame is worthless. The on-field interviews are worthless. The sideline reporters are worthless. When a game is advertised to start at 5 p.m. Eastern time, how about starting it at 5 p.m. Eastern time, not 5.30 Eastern time? And then the second point he has is, I get the whole American voice thing that M- the Fox wants in its MLS coverage, but uh, it does not give. But if it doesn't give any knowledge, what's the point? Break down the tactics and ball movement, and and yes, I mean they're very much. I mean, going back to what you said before to Kartik about storytellers, ESPN are experts at storytelling. So I, I have no doubt that NBC, I'm, I'm sorry, ESPN will do a fantastic job in terms of the storytelling. We'll p- be punching up those Bundesliga stories as much as possible. And Fox's style is is um, different, not as good. I mean, they're more about stats. They're more about kind of talking in many ways and not giving a lot of uh, tactical insight and knowledge. And it's a, it's a different style. And NBC has a different style too. And uh, as we've seen with Fox's numbers for the Major League Soccer, they're not working. And, and there's got to be a reason why maybe that's one of the main reasons that people are just uh, really tired and, and just uh, don't like Fox's style. Raymond Orozco says, I don't really like watching English commentators during Champions League because the last time uh, they played Spurs against Bayern Munich, the English commentators named off all of the historical Spurs players, but none of the great players from Munich. And uh, I get that totally in terms of, uh, and sometimes it is one of those things where the commentators actually might be English commentators. So they're more biased or more knowledgeable about the English footballers as, as opposed to the Bayern or German footballers. Uh, and they might do that subconsciously without even realizing it, especially for a global audience. But it, it should be more 50-50 where it's, it's more unbiased. Robert Thompson says, Solskjaer and uh, Unai Emery have been blamed for their teams having such a bad start to the season. So, Kartik, this is for you. So why does Pochettino get a free ride? He get he should maybe he shouldn't get a free ride, but he he certainly deserves less criticism because the last four seasons Spurs have overachieved. Uh, they've uh, finished in the top four. They are a club 
who has very strict spending limits uh, compared to Arsenal and Manchester United. Uh, they have uh, a situation where not only do they spend less in the transfer market, they spend wet, far less on weekly wages than those two clubs. Uh, the uh, the sort of wages that uh, Metz's Ozil, who doesn't make the 18 for Arsenal, are paid are impossible to even fathom for Spurs. They would never pay a player half that much mm-hmm. per week. So uh, there are a lot of limitations. that I think we get fooled by transfer spending in, uh, in the market, not looking at weekly wages. The reality remains Manchester City, Liverpool, Manchester United, Chelsea, uh, and Arsenal can pay far more in weekly wages to the players on their books than Spurs can. Plus, Spurs have, I believe, limitations based on the new stadium that, of course, they've publicly said this makes them a much more viable entity in terms of spending but i think it's it's probably more similar to the way particularly with the with the overruns in terms of costs and and the time it took to build that stadium much more like the emirates or arsenal right after they moved from highbury the emirates that there was limited spending by arsenal standards for the next few years so i think yeah pochettino does deserve some blame because there is something going wrong in the dressing room and things turn stale after a while they've overachieved each of the last four seasons uh they finished oftentimes ahead of chelsea or manchester united or uh or, or uh, in fact at one point, uh, they finished ahead of all five of the other big six teams, City, Liverpool, Liverpool several seasons they finished ahead of, uh, United, Arsenal, and Chelsea under Pochettino. He's finished ahead of all those teams, at least in one season. Uh, but, uh, you know, things there's something wrong in that dressing room. I agree, Robert. Uh, maybe he deserves some blame because he can't manage whatever has gone wrong in the dressing room over the summer and into the start of the new season. But uh, I do not think Pochettino can be judged by the same standard as managers at those uh, – at four of those other five, I think Lampard's in a unique situation because of the transfer ban. But um, I, I can, you cannot apply the same standard to Judge Pochettino as you do Guardiola, Klopp, Solskjaer, or, or Emery. It's just not. It's apples and oranges, really. Yeah, my, my, my thinking on this, Kartik, is that the expectations are different. So the expectations at, at Manchester United and Arsenal are, are greater. Uh, these are you know, historic clubs that have won recently. Uh, Spurs have not won a trophy recently. So the expectations are lower, um, even within the press. I think the press probably would be, again, whether it's co- conscious or subconsciously, but uh, probably giving uh, Spurs a little bit more of a free ride, in quotation marks, because uh, because because the expectations aren't as great as they are at these other clubs. Last but not least, uh, Vincent Orozco shares some thoughts on watching Liga MX on um, FS2 in English language. And Vincent says, I was watching the Monterey Derby on FS2, and in my opinion, Kobe Jones has a color commentary style that's very hard, or pretty hard to listen to. It's obvious that he doesn't watch Liga MX in the way that he watches MLS and LA Galaxy. He brought no in-depth coverage of the game, and in my opinion, Fox uh, blew a big opportunity. And those are the games oftentimes, too, that uh, fly under the radar. Uh, a lot of people not realizing that, that uh, Fox, uh, FS1 and FS2, uh, on, the, on late Saturday nights, oftentimes will have English-language commentary of select Liga MX games. So we want you to have your say. You can always reach us via email through web at worldsoccertalk.com, as well as facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk, and on Twitter at worldsoccertalk. Plus, of course, you can post your comments on worldsoccertalk.com. The types of questions and feedback and, and uh, opinions that we're looking for are uh, mostly in terms of um, soccer pr- production on the television side or questions about streaming, 
uh, or just kind of some of your observations in terms of how this beautiful game is televised or streamed from around the world. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. So, Kartik, before we uh, close, uh, where can listeners uh, reach out to you or kind of uh, find out your latest uh, rants and raves on social media? KKFLA737 is the easiest uh, easiest place. Awesome. On Twitter. On Twitter. All right. All right. Well, thank you for listening. You can get a new episode of the World Soccer Talk podcast every Thursday. Every episode is released on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube, Stitcher, iTunes, TuneIn, AudioBoom, Overcast, and WorldSoccerTalk.com. If you like the show, share it with your friends on social media and give us a review on iTunes. In Kartik, heading into another busy weekend, uh, which is going to be the final um, day of the regular season in Major League Soccer, as well as some big games from around uh, Europe and around the world. Uh, what should they do? Enjoy your football. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 